0: Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Linda Glick. She is an actor, singer, and educator who now teaches and coaches people. Linda, how are you today?
1: I'm great, Brad. Thank you. And thank you so much for inviting me to uh, be interviewed.
0: Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be here and sharing your story and your journey with us today.
1: My pleasure. And I just want to make a brief comment on your first introduction, if I may, that sure. uh, I am not just teaching, although I adore that in coaching, but I am still very active in my uh, performing career. Excellent. Yeah.
0: So, how old were you when you first got into acting, singing, and performing?
1: Well, if that's a double fold question, because I started when I was very, very young in singing and taking dance lessons, little play productions. When I was in junior high, I guess it was my dad used to take me to Juilliard because I had gotten into a program there and I would go on Wednesdays and Saturdays, but I was not what you would call performing professionally until much later.
0: Okay. So what inspired you to follow the path of being a performer?
1: That's such a wonderful question. I I think it was just something that called to me. I was very shy on the inside, although nobody would have known it on the outside. It was a kind of double bind where I was always voted the most popular this or president of the high school or the junior high school. And uh, I was an only child. I was born after my folks had been married for 11 years. Okay. And I think it was just a way of my being able to kind of leave myself and inhabit characters' worlds. And certainly when I started to sing, that was transformational for me.
0: Did you grow up in a household where the arts were encouraged and there were other performers in your family? Like, Did your, did your parents come from performing or did they, were they involved in performing? Or was it, like, was it just second nature or were you the only one in the family?
1: Well, again, I, I, it's not a black and white question. I came yeah. from an artistic home in the sense that my father was an artist. Okay. My mother had been prescribed voice lessons to help her with her asthma. Oh, and, uh, that's interesting. Yes, to help with her breathing because that's a major help when you're breathing correctly and you're oxygenating your your system. And her sister pursued an opera career for a while, but uh, none of them actually went into it professionally. I was the black sheep of the family. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because of course,
0: I mean, I can even remember growing up and, and talking about being a photographer and hearing from different people, you can't make money at art. What are you thinking? And there's no, there's no money in that. You can't make a career of that. So I can only imagine is a similar kind of thing for you.
1: Well, they were very, very protective, very sheltering. And as long as it was a quote unquote hobby, yeah, they were cool with that. <laughs> but any thought of actually doing it, it took my mother forever. I was already singing in the cabarets in New York. And she, I, I, I hate to even say this on the air, but she <laughs> used to call them toilets. She, oh, yeah, we <laughs> singing in another toilet. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. Until
1: it was Rainbow and Stars. Until it was Rainbow and Stars which was one of the major, major night spots in the city. It's subsequently now I think it's just a restaurant. But that was one of the top spots in New York. And then they came. They even came with Paul Reiser and his family. I was opening up for a guy that was called the Rhinestone Cowboy of Australia. And he had this huge following, and he was great. Um, And I think he had three weeks, so I was the opening act for one week, and then there were two other singers I knew who were opening up the other other, uh, two weeks, and that was a very exciting time, yeah.
0: Did you have any formal training around acting, singing, and performing?
1: Yes, not again, not when I was really young, other than the Juilliard uh training, which was was wonderful. I did go into classes later on in um almost everything in in uh, singing. I had wonderful, wonderful voice coaches acting for sure again, the top of the tops they were terrific, terrific mentors. And I still go to class. I mean, I still believe in keeping your skill set honed. And there's sure. always something else that I can learn that I can either pass on as a coach or use for myself. So I'm, I'm a big believer in keeping your skill sets strong, even though, and I love what I read that you had said, you can have innate talent, you can yeah. be incredibly challenging, but that in a token will take you to Brooklyn. I, mean, I love that you need your craft and for you need sure to have a certain discipline and a commitment yeah. that you can carry with you and so that you are really a that's what I call a professional that you have the passion and you have the the talent but that needs to be in a safe container that is your skill set and your training
0: yeah you can't rest on your laurels
1: mm-mm, mm-mm, no well, what
0: were you doing for a career before you made the jump to full-time performing?
1: I was teaching French and Spanish okay. in the same junior high school that I had gone to as a kid. So it was like I never left home. Wow. Um, it was not my first choice. Trust me. And, here again, <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of succumbed to that parental refrain of you need something to fall back on No, you know yeah. this is fine but you need something to fall back on so I started as what I thought was going to be no I never did actually I didn't start as a substitute teacher that's what I wanted to do but when I went in the uh, principal who was interviewing me said no you cannot come in in any other capacity than as a dual language teacher because I had minored in French and Spanish and I was pretty fluent in French and almost as much so in in Spanish. Uh So he took me on, and well, that was quite an experience, some of which I adored, and I did not adore all of it. and <laughs> <laughs> But towards the end of that, I, I, I will say, I mean, I, I was a great teacher because I used to come in in costumes and wigs <laughs> and I would get down on the floor <laughs> with the kids. They never knew who was coming into the classroom because one day I was a blonde and the next yeah. day I was a redhead. <laughs> you know, but anything, anything to keep them curious and occupied. And I used to kid in one of my shows, I would say they were ages 12 to 27
0: i love it (laughs) so there's something i often wonder about myself when it comes to artists and athletes and musicians performers all of that that whole field of, of people that are i mean there are people that are just born with a natural ability right um and then there are people who Learn the practice and and hone their skills and all of that and eventually become artistic and a performer or a musician or whatever the case may be athlete whatever it is. Now these people that are just born with an innate ability to play an instrument like you think of I don't know Jimi Hendrix or Eddie Van Halen or Beethoven or like people like that that just have that natural ability and can just sit down and play an instrument um, or paint or draw, whatever the case may be. I'm of the mind that there are those people. And then the majority of the people have to work at it and practice that skill and and learn it. What are your thoughts? I mean, do you think that through for the other, let's call it 90% of the world, do you think that they can attain or achieve that same ability As someone who is actually just born with that talent, like, do you think they can reach that level of talent through practice and honing their skill? Or do you think that you just have to, there are just those people who are born with it and that's it. There's no achieving that level of skill set.
1: It's such a great question, Brad, and it's a hard one to answer because, I mean, you have your geniuses and you you are virtuosos and you have that tiny, tiny percentage that would blow people away no matter what yeah. kind of art it is. And they are, I would say, in the very tiny minority. Can someone really put their mind to it and become a virtuoso? I think so. Okay. It takes a tremendous amount of, of dedication and commitment, but... Yes, I would say yes, and yet it may not be the same kind of level of a Beethoven or uh, someone like that, a Michelangelo, whatever. Then they can also, I was just going to say it may be a more studied art, but I'm going to take that back because through the years I've seen, and I've I've actually had the, the privilege of teaching some, you know, these kids who did not start with that kind of innate uh, born talent. And I mean, they wind up on Broadway and they're phenomenal. Yeah. So that's, can take a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication it's a, a tremendous amount of saying i 'm going to do this, and I am going to be the best that I possibly can at it. so yeah. the comparison is a little bit tough to make, yeah would become, but they can become experts in their own chosen field. I do believe that yes
0: yeah i yeah, I think they they can achieve an artistic level for sure. I just don't think it's possible to achieve that level as a virtuoso. If you're not born with that ability, like there's certain mm. things that I mean, thinking about photography, you cannot teach someone to have an eye. You mm. either have one or you don't. And yes, you can. I think you can learn to develop a little bit, but I think I don't know. There's just certain certain things that you're you're either born with it or you're not. Well, to I say think- that you can't achieve it. And again, touching on what you said earlier is these virtuosos and such not to say that they still don't have to practice and hone their craft they do of course they do but they're just they're a step above you know what i mean
1: i do but i don't know whether i totally agree with you that you okay. can't get the kind of level in other words that okay. uh, i've also seen and, and we know by uh, by by famous names who burn themselves out totally we've lost so many that were so unbelievably gifted and yeah. whether they couldn't continue that uh, or their inner critic was too loud you know who knows but some of the real greats that unfortunately you know are not with us at a very young age
0: yeah for sure
1: yeah yeah what
0: excites you or lights you up the most about being a performer
1: i would say that I can be a a messenger and transform other people's experiences because um, many don't know how to bring that alive they carry those memories and those experiences inside but I think the performer has that gift or hopefully has a gift to be able to take an audience member along with me on that journey
0: yeah.
1: And so they will relate to let's say a song that I'm singing or a particular scene in a you know a play yeah. And it becomes that that's my story too you know, where you almost uh, uh, melt into what the character is going through so that you lose that sense of there being a separation because we carry each other's experiences inside. For sure. Yeah.
0: Can you tell us about some of your work as an actress, anything we might know of or recognize you from?
1: Yeah, I can actually. And it's still running, I believe, on television. There's a film called Too Big to Fail on HBO, and I played Nancy Pelosi oh okay
0: <laughs> So wow.
1: that, that was with uh william hurt and paul germati and uh a couple of little cameo uh, scenes in it but that was great fun then i did the blacklist with james spader
0: oh so wow
1: television, yeah and funny the other day i went in to get a, a facial and uh the gal looked at me she said linda <laughs> i was minding my own business <laughs> But I happened to turn on the incredible Jessica James on uh, Netflix. I think it was, and she goes, okay. oh my God, there's Linda. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: How does that feel for you? Is that surreal when you when that things like that happen?
1: I wouldn't call it surreal, but it certainly is a wonderful feeling of acknowledgement. It's not so much about the visibility as it is that there must have been a reason why she remembered me. Yeah. <laughs> So (laughs) that's a nice part of that, yeah.
0: How many episodes of the Blacklist were you on?
1: Oh, just one. Oh, okay. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it was.
0: What's been your favorite or most memorable role or performance?
1: I'd have to say Mrs. Bryce in two productions of Funny Girl because that's a great book. You know, some musicals are very heavy into the music, and the book is mm, not 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 strong. But this Funny Girl is a really, really strong book about uh, Fanny Brice. And when I was quite a bit younger, I used to sing Fanny songs with the, you know, to the tracks. And then when I actually got to audition, I was of the age to play her mother. So I did that in two regional productions and I loved it. And the more that I got to know who this woman was, the more that I just found her, you know, terrific.
0: What would you say is your strength as an actor?
1: I think um, I would say that it's comic timing and also my voice, the presence of my voice, I've been told. So it's a combination, I think, of a certain presence. And I love comedy.
0: What's the first thing you do to research and approach a role?
1: Oh, that's again, such a great question. You, I mean, I go into quite a a deep discovery process as to the social dictate, what, when this happened, what was going on then personality, character flaws, what her needs are, were the outer person, the inner person. I mean, anything and everything that makes her tick, what is she going for? What are the conflicts? What are her relationships? Does she have kids? Is it hot, cold, morning, night, urban, suburban, rural?
0: Wow, that's pretty in depth.
1: Oh yeah. And <laughs> if they don't give you enough, then I write a backstory. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I yeah.
0: love it. That's incredible and wow.
1: Well you want you know, you want your characters to not only come to life, yeah. but have a life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that they're flesh and blood as you see them, hear them.
0: So how much time ideally do you take to research your role before you actually start a project?
1: That actually depends, Brad, on how much time before either the audition or is it a project like the Funny Girl, the musicals, that I had a fair amount of lead time. There right. was, I think three weeks or something to that extent. Right. I mean, there are times when you've got to get something up in 10 days or eight days. and wow. it's, it's a lot of cramming. It's yeah. a lot of getting as much information under your, your belt and, you know, before the, you actually have to do a table read or then get up on your feet.
0: Yeah. Do you prefer acting or singing?
1: That was such a difficult question. I love <laughs> them both.
0: But I thought,
1: I, I mean, almost the best answer I can, I can give you is acting in song.
0: Ah, there we go. I knew See, that was coming. You did. Oh, good. i good. All right.
1: Because then I, I can bring my acting chops to the music and yeah. have those lyrics come alive as they are a story as opposed to just singing the words that are coming right. Notes. Yeah.
0: So what have you been doing to keep yourself busy since the pandemic started? I mean, I would imagine not many projects are being shot or or not many productions were being put on. So what were you doing to keep yourself busy during that
1: time? i got to tell you, I have never, ever, and I swear that this is the God's honest truth, I've (laughs) never been this busy, ever. Wow. I don't know how this sort of came about. In the earlier stages, it was not so much auditioning because things were really at a standstill. Nothing was going on. There was nothing in person. There were Zoom casting director interviews or reading for something that might happen. But I did a lot of coaching work with people from all over the world. Uh, I mean, I thought I would never teach voice on Zoom. Yeah. Never. And then, of course, you know, you that that fancy word pivot.
0: Yeah. Pivot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I could not believe. I mean, I had someone who was uh, in Beirut for wow. a period of time. I was able to give her lessons. And then from all over, I mean, the coast from Florida, Philadelphia, Chicago. I mean, I could go on and on. Uh, Montreal, I was in a group that had everyone from the Netherlands to London, to Brazil, to Italy. So I took on a couple of year-long coursework for me, an advanced voice pedagogy class that I I am loving, but it's a lot of work, and a couple of other classes for myself. Then that kind of was a, a starter for more coaching and then recently the business has been beginning to get not back to normal but certainly there's more of a momentum so i did a uh, an audition for a television program about two weeks ago okay. haven't heard about that yet so that's beginning to you know kind of come on and i started flooring material for a new show a new concert okay. Concerts. I've been very, very, very busy. That's a good thing, then. Yeah.
0: Well, hopefully your audition comes through for you, fingers crossed. Thank you. Now you're the founder of Optimize Your Voice. Can you tell us a bit about that business, what it's all about, when you started it?
1: Yeah. Optimize your voice is my baby. I started it about three years ago. I felt that one, there was a tremendous need or something more formalized in the sense of coursework. And I created a course book and workbook that went along with it because it's the crystallization of some 35 years as a performer, as a teacher of all things voice, both singing, speaking skills, audition technique, working on your presentations or pitches or interviews and i think we've left the voice behind a little bit because i find that everything is so visual today zoom and yeah. on the computer you know and 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 the programs that the voice i feel the a bit that people don't Quite pay as much attention to oh their their speaking skills. Why are so many people so boring to listen to? <laughs> you, you just zone out. I mean, when I'm thinking about my dinner, I know it's not my fault. It's it's <laughs> something that's going on. <laughs> so then I started thinking, well, what is it that some speakers catch you right away and you you, you it goes so quickly that you can listen to them for an hour, two hours, yeah. and not get bored, and others. I do. I find myself uh, zoning out. So I created um, this business for both creatives and corporate. I tend to get more women than men. And so I've really shown the light on emerging women leaders, both creative and corporate. I like to say that voice is the original social media.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I love that. that.
1: Right? Yeah. yeah. Before we got into all this other stuff, um, we would talk to one another. That's right. I don't think that that's done as much today. No, and I think
0: it's been lost.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, even, I mean, I didn't believe that it was so, but I don't think people get on the phone as much as they No, do.
0: I would but agree with you. They're, they're texting. That's yep. right. That's exactly
1: right. Yeah. Getting carpal tunnel syndrome. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Yes. So it was to fill a need and a gap that I felt was very important. And then the dynamic of being both the teacher and the performer is very effective when I coach.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, you're drawing from your own experience. So that would help for sure.
1: Right.
0: What excites or inspires you the most about coaching and teaching others?
1: Oh, boy. First of all, there's immediate gratification. I gotta say. And then there's so much inspiration in witnessing the power and skill sets. Once my Students, my clients get a hold of something that they can really say, Oh, yes. Oh, Linda told me, for instance, with women, there are two major habits, I guess you'd call them. They drive me crazy, but it's all over. Up talk when you're to give a declarative sentence and it ends in a question mark. So it disempowers. If someone's saying, I have the most important news that I want to tell you about. So then you wonder, well, do you or don't you? Yeah. So they're just great, you know, subtleties in the voice, filler words, like, you Uh, know. Yes. I mean, anyway. So these are subconsciously ways that women stay smaller than they need to be. And it it reinforces a bit of the little girl quality. So that's important for me to at least have them become aware of that. And then there's a lot more about bringing color to your voice, not rushing through everything. Another interesting thing is taking pauses and and allowing yourself to breathe. And often I think, again, with women, they rush because they're so afraid that people won't want to listen to them if they take too much time.
0: Natural pauses. Yeah, for sure. So was this a natural progression for you then into coaching and teaching?
1: Would say so, Brad. I mean, it's the flip side, isn't it? It, Yeah. It's one thing, although the teaching is a form of performing, also.
0: Right. Very true. Just
1: a different kind of a stage. I mean, I've been either a coach, teacher, or a performer all of my adult life, and it's standing on one stage for platform or another, but it's my way of giving back, too. I mean, I I love to teach. I love to teach. Thank God, you know, that I do. I love to teach and to witness. Change, witness growth, transformation, transformation sets your
0: soul on fire.
1: That's exactly right. If I love they're it. Growth spurts, emotional yeah. outcomes, you know,
0: <laughs> and, uh,
1: and it often leads to other aspects of one's life. Yeah. So, yes.
0: To date, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win?
1: I am remembering a beautiful student who came to me as a dancer singer. And then she, she was working with me. She then became a singer-dancer, which then morphed into a lead singer. And I cried like a baby, but I went to see her on Broadway. She wound up in a leap of faith, Alan Menken's leap of faith. And I was just thrilled beyond words. Alan Menken used to sit at the piano in a little studio that I had years ago. And (laughs) (laughs) he would play the piano and I would sing. And that was a long time ago. Long time ago. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful composer.
0: What do you think is your unique skill set or superpower that's helped you become successful?
1: What is it? Curiosity, empathy, being intuitive. I think that's helped me a great deal. Yeah, sensitivity, curiosity, empathy. Okay.
0: Speaking of success, what does that word mean to you?
1: I think it's to love what you do and do what you love and find the balance in this life between health and community and never staying too satisfied so that you can challenge yourself and help others, help others with your gifts and your talents.
0: That's yeah. Giving back is a huge, huge thing for sure. Yes. What makes you feel inspired or like your best self?
1: I think when I do my best, and I can impact someone else's life in a good way, that that's the best, that it, it's not just close to me, but that I can give it away, that I can give it away. Whether that's in performing or in coaching or in mentoring or in even being a good wife or a good mom to, to my pup. I think it's just doing the best that I possibly can. And also, I have to add to that, I don't know that came to me when I was thinking about that was healthy boundaries. Yeah. Healthy boundaries. Yeah.
0: For sure. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? What was your life like before learning it? What was your life like after learning it?
1: Well, I can say it now, Brad. I'm not so sure that I would have said this.
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: But now I can say this too shall pass and keep going and take care of yourself. Also follow your dream. Yeah. yeah and how it impacts me is that I, what, yeah, before I took on that kind of a way of thinking, I did sweat a lot of the small stuff. I worried more about external stuff and standards. And then one day I woke up and said, who goes to bed with my dreams? Who goes to bed with my nightmares? <laughs> uh, nobody else. That's right. You know? Just you. So I guess learning how to navigate the highs and lows, which I still have, but in a better way than I used to. I love it. Yeah.
0: What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received?
1: I would say that we are all so incredibly unique that we don't have to worry about someone else being exactly the same and there's not enough room for the two of you, but that to do everything full out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that competition mindset, right. And, and getting past that, getting out of that competition mindset that there is no one else like you, no one else sings like you, Linda, no one else acts the way you do. No one else performs the way you do. So, and there's, there's an abundance of work out there. There's enough to go around for,
1: for everybody. Yes. Yes, for sure. For sure. It also does. It, it's not good for you. No, it, it's not. I, I think it stymies creativity yeah, sure. and you're always in a state of worrying that the next guy is better or prettier. Yeah. you know, it, does, yeah. it doesn't help. Mm-mm.
0: No, it doesn't serve you least of all.
1: Right. What advice
0: would you give someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours?
1: I would say that if you can't do anything else, you can't imagine doing anything else, go for it. It's a lot of hard work and there are no guarantees. But if that's your calling and it's in your blood, you have to love the process more than the end rewards. And you have to be proud to be able to say, I am an actor or I am a singer.
0: Can you share a situation that's occurred in your life that you feel would provide insight as to your character, who Linda is?
1: Yeah. I can recall five days after a major surgery for breast cancer, I auditioned for the Broadway company of Mamma Mia. So that I think tells a lot about my going for it and not letting anything hold me back.
0: <laughs> Least of all breast cancer. Jeez. Right,
1: exactly.
0: That's that just speaks to your resiliency and who you are as a person for sure.
1: I hope so. Um, that's probably. Did you get more... the part? No, I didn't get. That. I got a call back on it, but I didn't. Okay. I did not get the part. But just to have been. You know, able to get up there and and actually yeah. you know, audition for a Broadway show was was wonderful, but then it, what came to mind when you were asking that also was in a, a more minor way, but also about resiliency and 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 guts, courage in two instances, both at the Baths in Chicago. I was doing a, one time I had a huge gay audience, and this was at one of the bathhouses in, in Chicago. And I arrived there having put my costume during the dress rehearsal. When I got there at night, my pants were missing. So <laughs> someone had stolen my pants. So let me tell you, we had to improvise like crazy and uh, it went on great. I mean, it was, it was a terrific show and big standing ovation and everything. But you know, you the show must go on. So you, you do what you got to do.
0: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, we're gonna jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next group of questions just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Yep. How would you describe yourself in one word? Vibrant. Money or fame?
1: Neither, but Early. probably money because fame is so fleeting.
0: Yes, and you can do a lot of good with that money. Yes. Early bird or night owl?
1: Definitely night owl. Ah,
0: uh, see, most create this. This just keeps enforcing my theory that most creatives are night owls. That's oh. the way it is.
1: Oh, very late, yeah.
0: Aside from necessities, what's one thing you could absolutely not go without?
1: Izzy, my pup.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite stress-reducing activity?
1: Here again, walking with Izzy in the park.
0: If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be?
1: To learn how to embrace our differences, respect, and refrain from judging opposites too quickly. That's a good one. I love that.
0: If you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what song would that be?
1: Okay. It's in French and then I'll translate. Nous nous revenons un jour l'autre. We will see each other again one way or another. I love it. Mm, Love that song.
0: What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money?
1: Great health for my husband, my pup, and myself.
0: Your health is your wealth.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: My grandfather always used to say that.
1: You know, I don't think we appreciate that until we're a bit older.
0: Yeah, you're right. Right? Yeah, for sure. What's the first thing you notice about a person?
1: Eyes, their eyes.
0: If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change?
1: It's a little bit of a a duplication of emphasizing that we are all so much more alike than we are different.
0: We are. I mean, when it comes down to it, think about it. We we all came into this world the same way, and we all go out the same way.
1: Exactly. It's... And I think we want love, and we want yep. community and yeah. connection. Yeah.
0: For sure. That concludes our rapid-fire section. Now we'll get back to our regularly scheduled program. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is one of your biggest failures, or we'll call it life lessons or teachable moments, and what did you learn from it?
1: I, I think I would say that I can remember not tuning into my gut response, that inner wisdom, as far as a uh, a relationship in the past, and it took me down a rabbit hole. And it the, the the lesson was to really listen and trust my gut, trust my inner wisdom. Oh, very wise.
0: Mm. If you could set up a billboard anywhere, Linda, where would you put it? And what would it say?
1: (laughs) I would put it at the George Washington Bridge at the entrance to New York City. And it would say, breathe and get a dog.
0: (laughs) I love it. (laughs) What's your personal motto?
1: Easy does it. I have time.
0: Time is so fleeting, though. It goes by so quick.
1: I know, but I need to remind myself when I feel particularly rushed or pushed or scattered, and I just stop and say, I have time, and I have time. Even if it's just two or three minutes, that seems to center me, make me feel better.
0: Just slow down a little bit. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Regroup, refocus. Exactly.
0: What does the word empowerment mean to you?
1: Stepping into your fullness with confidence, stepping into your, your gifts and owning them. And then passing them on to others. Love it.
0: When you're having a bad day, what do you do to make yourself feel better?
1: Generally go to, to watch a good film or read a, a particularly good nonfiction book. Or if I'm really paying attention, because sometimes this slips and I don't do it, singing will make me feel a lot better.
0: Excellent. If you could sit down and have a one-hour conversation with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Why?
1: This thought causes me so much emotion, but my father. Yeah. Because he was, he was so incredible. We were very, very close, and he he was a renaissance man. Everybody adored him, but he was funny, and he was good at listening. He was artistic. He was kind. I miss him every single day, and I often want to say, Pop, what would you do? This-? <laughs> you know, tell me what should I do?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. If you could step into my shoes, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't ask you?
1: I think what was the most outrageous, funniest moment you experienced as a performer?
0: Okay. What was it?
1: I opened up for Sid Caesar at the University of Albuquerque for about five, 6,000 people. I'll make this short because I could go on. <laughs> okay. And at first... We had had two-hour rehearsal. Everything was great. I got out there, and I, could, I couldn't hear myself at all. There was a 16-piece orchestra behind me. The monitors were absolutely dead. So that started things off, and, of course, I had to get that message to the guys in the booth. But then when I, I had to leave the stage, and I would come back to do a duet and finish the, the show off with him, I'm wearing this gorgeous down-to-the-floor cream gown, And I noticed that there's a red grill on my tush, on the dress. (laughs) And I said, oh my God. So you have to improvise. And I never once turned around. I literally did everything in profile, Straightforward to the audience <laughs> the whole time that I was out there had the mic in front and never once turned around for anything even with the the, the bows I made sure that only my front was showing to the audience. <laughs>
0: Linda, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be?
1: I think I would say stop worrying so much about what others say. Just listen to what's inside, measure it, and trust. Trust in yourself. Trust in yourself.
0: We do we do tend to get caught up in what other people think and what other people say and it affects what we do in okay. some cases. It does. Linda, lastly, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like?
1: I would say be proud of the risks you've taken. Don't play it safe because I am and never quit before the miracle happens. Talk to one another. Tell me your feelings and ask me about mine and let me learn to trust enough so that i can fully show myself i've made a ton of mistakes but i'm still here
0: (laughs) i love it brilliant very wise words i love it linda thank you so much for taking the time to be here and share your story and your journey today with me and the audience and it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you and it's been very educational interesting funny it's you're a wonderful, wonderful human being, and a true inspiration.
1: Thank you, thank you so much, Brad. This has been joyous and uh, interesting and provocative, and you ask great questions. I, I'm so pleased that I I was asked to be a guest on your show.
0: Thank you very much, and honestly, the honor and the pleasure is all mine because without amazing women like yourself, this platform doesn't even exist. So. I am the truly honored one and appreciate you. And I'm very grateful for you taking the time to be here today. Thank you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Linda Glick. She is an actor, singer, educator, coach, and the founder of Optimize Your Voice. Thank you so much, Linda. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day.
1: Thank you, Brad. You too.